Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. G&D on the fan. Welcome back. Thank you for listening to the program. We are live all over D.C. and right now as well in Richmond, AM 910, FM 1051. Take us with you wherever you go on the Odyssey app. Pause the show. Rewind it. Great way to listen to the program. We're brought to you each and every day by the law firm of Condori and Murad. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com and mention the show to score yourself a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. Really good dudes and buddies of ours who went to Lake Braddock High and George Mason University. We got a text from them last night. Yes. They will be... At the big event for 106.7 The Fan Very on cool. Friday night. Yeah. 106.7 The Fan versus the Team 980 at Bethesda Theater. They got a table right up front, they told me. So all your favorite radio shows together for one night, off air, on stage, and uncensored. Plus, we got a big special guest in Commander's Defensive Tackle, John Allen, who will be out there. Tickets are on sale now at BethesdaTheater.com, but frankly, there aren't many available, so you better go I get would do it. your tickets. BethesdaTheater.com, presented by Main Street Bank. Cheer local, bank local. Put their team in your office. Visit mstreetbank.com for more information. That is going to be a hoot and a holler, my friend. It's going to be fun. It'll be really good. Uh, Schefter apparently now is putting out the Ben Johnson side of things. Ah. So his initial take was clearly from the team where he said, Ben Johnson was not the head coaching lock that people thought, and his asking price spooked some teams per sources. Now, I'm not saying that was definitively from the commanders, but the commanders benefit from that. Yeah, it wouldn't be the agent going, yeah, my client asked for too much money. What, what was he doing? But if you're wondering what the Ben Johnson side of the story is and what his agent is saying right now, uh, here's that. Again, no sources are, are being told, but this is sourced information from Schefter. Lions OC Ben Johnson has two years remaining on his contract with Detroit. His deal was not adjusted to stay per league source, providing that money is not Johnson, oh, excuse me, proving that Johnson's biggest motivation was not money. So he's saying because his contract is the same, it's proof that he didn't actually turn down Washington because of contract dispute. The Lions still opt to adjust the contract down the line, but it's not the reason that Johnson returned to Detroit. So it's funny because he's saying they haven't even changed his contract yet. So, of course, it's not about money. They could change his contract in the future. Ben has no control over that. (laughs) There's nothing Ben could do. Why would Ben? He can't do anything about that. But the last three words here are. Yeah. Johnson is loyal. Again, this is the agent's going to play this side, right? Yeah. Which is to say he wants to be a lion. He loves Jared Goff. 
He has a poster of Dan Campbell in his bedroom. He just can't get enough of the Lions. The team's going to say, this wasn't our choice anyway. No harm, no foul. No love lost here. Uh, it, he was a candidate, one of a bunch of candidates. We weren't sold on him anyway. And oh, by the way, he wanted too much money. Yeah, this guy wanted uh, the, the moon and the stars. No way. That doesn't make any sense. And the agent's going, he doesn't even care about money. He, he returned all his salary for the last seven or eight years. And he's working for just a ride to work and a, and a value meal for McDonald's. Like, come on, man. So the, the narrative's there. Question for you guys is what's your emotion today? How you feeling after the big news? Weeks of expecting it to be Ben Johnson. Not anymore. Ed in Fredericksburg, how are you? I'm good. How are you? We're great. Come in. Yes. So, uh, first off, thank you for taking my call. And I agree with many things that have been said. And I uh, heard the, the last uh, comment in regards to uh, uh, Adam Sheffield. Uh, you know what? I think all of this is true in some fashion. And, um, and it's... I honestly, and I'm just an old Army guy, I think he likes where he is. And, uh, you know, he does want to see it through. I mean, I don't know him that well, but I respect that. If that is exactly what he wants to do, I understand it. And it's, it's refreshing to see people who don't want to jump into something that maybe they're not ready for yet. And... Continue to learn. I would like to work for Dan Campbell and the current Ford leadership. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't like to work for the Harris Group either, but so so there's a lot there. And I do think this. The Harris Group will figure out where to go from here. There's no doubt in my mind. They're very confident. And, and No doubt. And appreciate yeah, the Appreciate call. you, buddy. I, it's just that they're not going to get the best offensive candidate. A lot of people don't care about that, and that's perfectly fine. That's your prerogative. A lot of us do, though. You know, a lot of us have just taken 20 years of data and said the best thing that can happen in this cycle is that they hire the best offensive mind and play caller because those are the guys that have the most success as head coaches. And we found out today that that's not going to happen. So you'll have to forgive people for being a little bit frustrated by that. Doesn't mean they're not going to still get a good head coach. They may hire someone, by the way, that we're at the press conference going, really? This this is the hire? I'm just going to use Aaron Glenn as an example. When we find out it's him, hypothetically, I think the reaction would be, you got to be kidding me. Really? That's the guy that got this job? And we could look back in five years, and he's the, the new Mike Tomlin or uh, you know Kyle Shanahan that everyone w- loves and talks about and wants to pull people out of his tree. Mm-hmm. That could happen. It's it just more unlikely to happen when you go with a defensive coordinator whose defenses haven't been particularly great. <laughs> there but is that. Maybe, maybe he gets the boys riled up and he pulls the, the Dan Campbell card. Let's go to Bill in Alexandria. What's up, Bill? Hey, man. Uh, enjoy your show. Um, I, I just want to say that uh, I'm actually, I'm glad um, uh, Ben Johnson uh, is not coming here because you have to want to be a head coach. And if he likes it in Detroit, fine. Let him stay there. If he's comfortable there, you know, there's got to be a certain level of, of a, a cockiness and a confidence that you need in order to be a head coach or leader of anything. You know, I remember a few years ago when Sean McVay left here to go out and interview with the Rams. He wasn't an offensive coordinator. He was a position coach. And I think some of the people scoffed and said, ah, oh, he'll never get that job. He went out there and wowed those guys. And now he's one of the premier coaches in the league. 
I hope they take um, Bobby Slowick. They need an offensive-minded coach, especially if they're going to take a quarterback. They need someone who's going to develop that quarterback. Because if you take a defensive coach and and, uh, the team is successful, every two or three years you're going to have to replace the offensive coordinator. So I think Bobby Slowick, he was my first choice to begin with. And I think he's done a hell of a job with that rookie quarterback. Certainly did. And I'd like to see him come here. I really would. And he has a history with Adam Peters. So Appreciate you, dude. Thank you. Just a clarification. Sean McVay was the OC under Jay Gruden, but he was still, you know, a teenager, basically, in uh, in, in football yeah, years before he got the gig. The thing that made that yeah. hire insane was his age. Yeah. That's why everyone was shocked. But I don't want to say everyone in football, but people that were plugged in around the NFL all knew his name. Mm-hmm. Again, he was a coordinator. Think about this. Yeah. Like, if he, as a tight ends coach, those who knew in the circle were saying, this is a future head coach in the next five years. Everyone was saying this. But when he was a coordinator and Kirk Cousins was ascending under his tutelage, it became very obvious he is going to get a head coaching job immediately. The question was, is it going to be right away? Like in that first Yeah, when we go, cycle? within the next five years, we didn't know it was like three months later. <laughs> right? The way it was told to me was he had his choice, by the way, between San Francisco and L.A. Like, Kyle ended up getting the 49ers job, Mm -hmm. but McVay was basically choosing between the San Francisco job and the Rams job. I think he had hit it off a little better with less need, and there were less ownership questions because of uh, Jed York at that time was seen as not quite at the David Tepper level, but close. Bit of a tyrant, yeah. It's like a persona non grata kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Paul's in the district on Grant and Danny. Hello, Paul. Hey, fellas. uh, How's it going, man? I've been listening to it, man. But uh, I tell you what, fellas, I never had this guy being our coach. It was a whole lot of build-up, man, locally, as far as the media, a whole lot of build-up as far as the fans was concerned. You know, but uh, that guy, man, I mean, what, 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 he was, what, what made us getting him was going to be our next level of growth right here. There's a lot of other opportunities out there. I'm quite sure that that $6 billion uh, organization that was on their way to Detroit, I'm quite sure that they're smart enough now to land, turn around, and then go to get the person that they're looking for. Well, don't forget, they, they got an interview to they, do in Detroit still. With Aaron, Aaron Glenn, yeah. Aaron yeah, Glenn, know, yeah, the D with, coordinator. Uh, with Glenn, right, right, with Aaron Glenn. But uh, my point is is that I, if they threw all their eggs in that basket, then then that's a problem for me, and I really, truly, honestly don't think that they so did. Who, who do you want Brent, now, by Brent the way? Or who did you want all yeah. along? Who did I want all along? I tell you what, I just wanted them to make the right decision. I just didn't think it was going to be Johnson because of the buildup and, and everything mm. that was going on around with him. I just never, never bought into that right there because I just didn't think it was going to happen. But I like the guy in Houston. I like both of the Baltimore guys right there. I do like Grable as far as his leadership is concerned. They, they need but to interview him. If yeah, they got to give him a phone call. Maybe <laughs> now they do it. I, what would you make of – I think this is a good time to pivot to this for a second. And again, there's a couple lines open. We're going to take your reactions. It's a massive news day here on Grant and Danny and here on The Fan, and we want to hear from you guys at 800-636-1067. You can tweet us at Grant H. Paulson and at Funny Danny uh, throughout the day. They are finishing up with Aaron Glenn today what is round two of their interviews, and there are five finalists by my count of the guys who have been interviewed two times, okay? That's Slowick, and then that's the guys that all got interviewed yesterday and today. You're talking to the two Ravens guys yesterday, McDonald and Weaver. This morning, they interviewed uh, Dan Quinn uh, in, in D.C. He came here. In fact, Nikki Javala was at the airport and took a picture and of saw him. Yeah, She's like, uh, this guy in front of me looks familiar. And it, doing a bit, it was Dan Quinn. Um, and then they're going and interviewing Aaron Glenn. So, like, that's the list of the remaining candidates. Would it shock you if they opened this thing back up to some extent now? 
what I mean by that is if they interview somebody else, we all have been told the process was going to be over on Tuesday night in terms of the interviews and that this week they'd hire their coach. That was what everyone was reporting. They were also reporting Ben Johnson was the favorite. Mm -hmm. I believe that that timeline was based on them thinking they were going to have Ben Johnson done. The second interview, kind of make this official, get the contract in place, have a press conference uh, later, maybe in the early next week with Ben Johnson. But everything just got thrown. Whatever your plan was, it may have just changed. Yeah, a little wrench in there. Might they now call someone they didn't interview before? I know for you, your interest would be Vrabel. Right. But for me, like another offensive mind, one of the young offensive guys in the league, little picked over at this point. That's what I was going to say. I, wouldn't that make them? Because like I was mad they didn't interview Dave Canales, but he's now the coach of the Panthers. I was mad they didn't interview uh, Brian Callahan, but he's now the coach of the Titans. Titans. I'd, I'd have to even now think back to, I don't even know if there, there are other guys worth talking I mean, Arthur to. Smith's getting an OC job. Sounds like a Pittsburgh. I mean, it's not as if he, he'd be a hot candidate anyway. And that's kind of my point here is wouldn't that, because this is a group that thinks, and I don't, I don't mean this in the wrong way, like the Snyder regime, they're, they always try to, to attempt to control narratives after bad stuff would happen. This group seems to be proactive in doing that, but they do seem concerned from the outside looking in. I, I'm not, and I'm not criticizing, but they want to make sure they're viewed as competent, thoughtful, patient, you know, a cohesive organization. Vis-a-vis, we're not going to fire Ron Rivera, even though it was eminently fireable at any point in the season. After they lost to Chicago, any time you would have done it, people would have been happy. But they, they let it ride through the end of the year. They're trying to be judicious. If they have to start over again, that makes that process look, I don't want to say amateurish, but not really well done. You, you see what I'm saying? Like if, if Mike Vrabel, for the sake of argument, was a candidate before, you should have interviewed him before. If he's only there now, it means it makes you look like, well, our only choice is Ben Johnson, and now we're screwed. We have to start over. I don't think it would make him look very good. That's a great point, actually. If they interview somebody else now, it is a tell that Ben Johnson was your guy. Right? Yeah. I mean, you have to pick one of these remaining candidates. Otherwise, you're admitting your eggs were in the Ben Johnson basket. And these other interviews, you wanted to kick the tires on these guys, mm-hmm. but you haven't decided that any of them were definitively the hire, I guess. Right? It's a good point. But you can't worry about optics when you make this hire. I think I'm, that's what I was going to say. That's what my next point is this is the time we have to put that aside. I agree. Like, like this, it, this it, is your first ding if you're the Harris ownership group. Yeah, I think. this is too big of a deal, yeah. too big of a hire, too big of a decision to worry about the PR of. Well, now they're interviewing this guy, so they probably did actually think they were going to get Ben Johnson. Because, like, what I've talked about from a PR standpoint is, and I think people are misunderstanding my point a little bit. I think there are two remaining coaching candidates that the fan base would get excited about, and that's Mike McDonald and Bobby Slowick. I think anyone else, it's not to say none of our callers or nobody would like these hires, but as a mass fan base, Quinn, Glenn, and Weaver would not do that. Those are not needle movers. And a lot of people have responded to me and said, well, they shouldn't be hiring coaches based on who moves the needle. I'm not suggesting that they should, by the way, right? That's not my point. Like, they shouldn't make a hire based on uh, who the fans are going to be excited about. But what I am saying is just there's going to be more work to sell the that guy, if you hired Ben Johnson, you have the presser and everyone just tells you how great you are if you're Josh Harris. If you hire Mike McDonald, you're still going to get 85, 90% of that. If you hire Weaver or Glenn because, you know, you and Peters were smitten and fell in love in the interview with guys that, you know, if uh, 
some GM in the league was ranking the top 20 candidates going into the process and they ranked 14 and 18 or whatever. Those are your finalists and you hire one of those guys. It's just a little more selling that you've got to do as an organization. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Shouldn't care about optics. Yep. Get it right. Like pick the correct guy. I would just make the case you're gambling, you're rolling the dice a little bit the lower down the board you go, so to speak, in terms of getting it right. Let's go to Lou and Tappahannock on Grant and Danny. How are you? Hey, Lou. Hey, I'm doing all right. Uh, I got a theory. I do believe that Ben Johnson was the target. However, the high-stakes poker, the Ford family won out, i.e. the the call in midair to say, no, I'm not interested. We're going to find out, I believe, within the next month, he got some extra money. Now, going forward to the draft, the best person that would actually fit this new quarterback coming in in line would be the OC out of Baltimore. Who is Mike You mean Lamar? Houston, or, or are you actually talking about Todd Munkin? Todd Munkin, okay, that's what I'm saying then, okay. Hmm. But well, they, have not they might not have brought him up, but who's like Lamar with better arm talent? Daniels. Daniels. Okay, now you have this guy, you, you, you said nothing about him, but he's out there, and you've got somebody who can take someone with damn near as much talent as a Lamar in your second pick and create something you know, over, over those couple of years. But, Lou, if you hire Todd Munkin, don't you think you're then – I mean, you're saying essentially hire Todd Munkin, the OC of the Ravens, who might be the biggest reason why they just lost, by the way. Not that that should eliminate him from contention. But you open it back up, you interview Munkin, fine. He would have been on my top ten list probably. Did a great job this uh-huh. year with Jackson, an awesome job. Yeah. But you basically then are just doing that, you're saying, because then you would draft Jaden Daniels. Shouldn't, A, he have input in that decision with Peters? And, B, shouldn't you let the draft process play out before you predetermine which quarterback you're going to take? Yeah, yeah, that can be done. But at the, but at the same time, Jaden Daniels is not going to go number one unless he has a knockout combine. Sure, but as of right but, now, he's also not expected to go number two. Like, Drake May has every bit as good a chance as, as he does. Nah, Drake may Drake may ain't got the the um the experience. He doesn't have the legs. Okay, well that's your opinion. I'm I'm just telling you that from like a sports book <laughs> standpoint right yeah. now, the expectation is that uh, what I would say in meeting you in the middle is Drake may has every bit as good a chance as Jaden Daniels to be the pick at number two. I think most places would actually say he's the favorite to be the second pick, but we don't need to get into that. I don't like the idea of hiring a coach just to fit the quarterback before you've even gotten... like Before you, you really know who the quarterback is. You haven't hired the front office. Yeah. You haven't hired your scouting staff. Some of these guys are going to stay on with their draft board, I'm sure. Peters has not watched these quarterbacks yet, presumably. There's no reason he would have been doing that this season with San Francisco. He may have, in the last couple of weeks, just started you know a very cursory look at the, the quarterbacks at the top of the board. But he's been working round the clock on coaching stuff. He has no idea who they're going to take at number two, I wouldn't think, you know, off the top of his head right now. So I'm not going and getting a coach, in this case, Todd Munkin, because he worked with Lamar Jackson. You know, if we find out that they hire Anthony Weaver and he's bringing in Greg Roman or something, okay, fuel up the speculation at that <laughs> point. That maybe in that meeting, he said, I, I love this. Uh, I'm just making all this up, but I love this Jaden Daniels guy. And they're like, yeah, we, we really like his film too. And now you go get Greg Roman, and it would make more sense that you might lean in that direction than Drake May. One of the reasons I've pegged May to Washington for the last few weeks is I thought he was a really good 
basically a more athletic version, a lot more physical traits than Goff, but could like run that offense immediately. Well, Ben Johnson's not coming here anymore. You're not so running that offense. The whole discussion gets <laughs> wide open again. I think at number two. I think without a doubt. And again, there's there's a lot. It all it really does depend ultimately on are you going for maybe maybe better right away? Or are you going for long term high ceiling? How patient are we going to be? There's a million and one factors here, and that's what partly makes you know drafting speculation so much fun. Is guys like Anthony Richardson last year, where you go, it's so hard to pass on that kind of talent. But he's not ready to be a great NFL quarterback yet. He can be a good football player for a while. We could do some stuff to kind of build a base there. And we were robbed of it, of course, once he got hurt. But those kinds of questions are why you pay Adam Peters. Like, that, to me, is the whole point of having that guy. It's not just, let's try this this year. It's, I'm thinking about two years from now, five years from now. All of that stuff is part of that discussion. And the, the amount of factors, to your point, are innumerable. Should they open this search up to some extent? How would you feel if you found out they were going to interview somebody new who hadn't been a part of the cycle. Or is their group of five good enough here? You still have the one offensive coordinator type in Slowick who worked with C.J. Stroud. You still have Mike McDonald, the rock star young defensive coordinator. You've got Glenn, a recent former player. Weaver, a recent former player. Uh, the D.C. in Detroit and the D-line coach, respectively. Grant and Danny on the fan. Albert Breer is going to stop by and give us some thoughts on what happened with Ben Johnson Uh, in just a few minutes. We're going to blow out the Beltway Blitz today at 4 o'clock. There's just too much going on with the Commanders, the Ben Johnson news, and frankly, uh, too many of you guys who want to weigh in on it. So we're going to keep the phones open. We'll be reacting to the big news of the day on Grant and Danny as we go. But let's get some insight on how this all came about from Albert Breer. Covers the National Football League and is super plugged in. Has been on this coaching cycle for the last several weeks. You should check out Albert's work at the MMQB. So, Albert, what do you think happened here that Ben Johnson, who was the presumptive favorite to end up in Washington for weeks, is staying in Detroit? I I don't know that he was ever as strong a favorite as people thought. Um, And I think a couple things. Number one, you know, like the feel I got coming into this week was that the commanders were hitting almost like a hard reset, right? And not saying that, like, the information they had gathered already wasn't important or valuable or were going to be used, but they really wanted to kind of pick a fresh set of eyes as they went out and met with all of these guys this week. You know, it's Dan Quinn, obviously, um, today, and, and Ben Johnson and, and, and Aaron Glenn and and going through the list of names again, um, just have a very open mind about it. I don't think Ben Johnson has interviewed great um, over the last couple of years. And so where he was in the search, I think, could be a factor. You know, I I also know the other part of this is, um, you know, last year, I know Detroit knew that Ben was a little, let's just say insecure about where he was and whether or not he was ready. And he's pretty self-aware. And I think at that point, Detroit made it worth his while to say, hey, you know, like, if you want to take that extra year, we'll do our best to make you whole financially, and we'll give you a good option right here where you are. And he wound up taking it. Now, I don't know if that part happened again, but I can just tell you, like, Detroit really values him. And so if there was an opening there 
for them to take him off the market, I could see where they would have maybe tried to do that too. Seems crazy though, Albert, to go this far in the process, have a team, you know, as six of the eight teams have have made their hires, staffs are being built and accumulated. Washington's on their way to talk to him. And that's when the cancellation happens. Uh, That I I don't have a great question, but that seems crazy to me. It is weird. Yeah. And I, and that part of it, I mean, I, I would argue that part of it can probably hurt Ben, you know, like going forward. I, I just know this, like having covered this for two decades and so many coaching searches and all of that, um, your name doesn't stay hot forever, you know? And in a lot of cases, a guy's name can be hot for two or three years and then it cools off. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that's going to happen to Ben Johnson, but it certainly could. And so, like, when you've left different teams at the altar um, or, you know, like, gone through the process with a bunch of teams in the front end and pulled out, you know, then there's always going to be the question, like, is he ready to jump? How does he feel about himself as a head coach? Um, You know, where's this guy at? I think all that stuff is stuff to consider, um, you know, with Ben Johnson going back to Detroit and, 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 and looking forward to where he, where he might be in 2025. Albert Breer on Grant and Danny. I guess what shocks me the most. And one of the reasons that I, I know that, They've made it clear to anyone that will listen. They went out there, and, and I'll take them at their word at this point, I guess, that Ben Johnson was not the favorite, okay? I, I have a hard time believing that because he was the rock star play caller, OC candidate, when you have the number two pick and you're taking a quarterback. So if he wasn't the favorite and that's true, then I just disagree with them on how they, they did their rankings. Having said that, of the five guys that are left now, four of them are defensive-minded. In an era right. in a league where Vrabel's getting blown out and they're going and getting Callahan, a proven winner, like where yep. you see this everywhere. I'm, I, I am very surprised by it's. Slowick has not talked to them, to my knowledge, since last week, so there's no real momentum around him. But the rest of the guys are, are defensive-minded. Some of them aren't even coordinators yeah. at this point. That is strange to me. Well, all right, so I'll start here. Um, listen to Adam Peters himself and what he said at the press conference because he was asked directly about that, right, the play-calling thing. And his answer, I believe, and you guys can look this up, and I'm sure you remember it, um, was it's not so much offense or defense as I want a leader, okay? So that's number one. He said it himself. Um, Number two, there's a trend happening in the NFL that I think less people are paying attention to than the offensive play-caller thing, and that's the success of recent ex-players. And you can look at Dan Campbell, you can look at D'Amico Ryans, you can look at Mike Vrabel, you can look at Kevin O'Connell, guys who played in the league, who didn't have a ton of runway as assistant coaches, going and getting jobs and then being successful in those jobs. And I think it really speaks to a big piece of all of this, which with this generation of player, it's difficult to get engagement. That's a very hard first hurdle to clear. Mike McDaniel, for example, had to work really hard to get that. In Miami, he got it, but it had to work real hard to get it. D'Amico Ryan's, Mike Vrabel, Dan Campbell, those guys have it the minute they walk in the room. And so there are different ways to do this. And I think focusing on one bucket really limits what you're looking for in a head coach. I give the commanders credit for looking at different buckets. And it wouldn't shock me if you look at this and you say, maybe we want to go with somebody experienced or we want to go with the ex-player route. You know, um, I know they were committed to, to looking at everything, and they've certainly done that. What do you think's next? Who's the favorite now for Washington? I mean, I think Dan Quinn's certainly in the mix. Um, and a guy who um, can create a culture. We've seen that. That that was there in Atlanta. He got to a Super Bowl. 
He built a great staff there. Um, you know, hired Kyle Shanahan, then replaced him with Steve Sarkeesian. Um, so you know he's a guy who has the connections and the ability to, 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 to lure in um, good offensive coaches. And, um, and, you know, I think you see the way that he connects with players. Now, he's not next player the way Vrabel or Campbell or O'Connell are. But, like, just go and ask Micah Parsons about the guy like and what he was he did for his career. Go ask any of the Legion of Boom guys, um, Richard Sherman, um, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor. Like, he's been able to manage so many different personalities, so many different types of guys, and that's a huge part of it too. And, um, you know, I can remember talking to the Rams about McVay when he came from there, and this will resonate with you guys, but one of the biggest things they liked about McVay, um, and I think all those guys would tell you, like the play caller thing was way down the list as far as stuff that he's good at. Um, despite what public perception is. And, um, you know, one of, the, one of the Rams guys said to me, look at that huddle he had in Washington. Look at the personalities he had in that huddle. Trent Williams, Deshaun Jackson, Jordan Reed, uh, you know, RG3 is a backup. And he was able to manage all of that and get a high-level performance out of all of those guys, right? That says something. That's sort of what Dan Quinn can bring to the table. So I think Quinn's a good, good candidate. I think Aaron Glenn's going to get a serious look. Um, and if there's one they haven't talked to yet that would make sense to me, it would be Mike Vrabel, who like Adam Peters was with in, um, in, was with in New England for six years. Um, so if there's one, if they really are going to like look under every rock here, I mean, Vrabel would be one I would advise them to look at. I think he's a really – I think he's top seven or eight head coach in the league, and I think if you could get him at this point, that would be a win. Yeah, if you're not going offensive-minded – I'm all in on why wouldn't you talk to, to Mike Vrabel? Uh, Albert Breer is with us on Grant and Danny here on the fan on Dan Quinn really quickly. Uh, yep. So my issue with hiring a defensive minded head coach, and I think he is a good leader of men and a good coach is that the offense is going to be in, in flux every few years. If you hit on coordinator, we've yeah. seen it with Vrabel who's out of a job for this reason. Mm-hmm. We've seen it with uh, uh, Dan Quinn. Oh, by the way, when Kyle left, Yep. It, it completely fell apart. He became a 500 coach. How do you fix that? You know, if you're hiring Mike McDonald or Dan yeah. Quinn or Anthony Weaver, like how, that's what I need to be convinced of. Let's say yeah. they, they have this great hotshot OC hire. Awesome. That guy leaves in two years and gets a job. Now what? Right. And you have to have a plan. And that's part of the interview, right? Like it's, and I look, I've talked to coaches about this, and that's the way a lot of defensive coaches approach it now is they'll go into the interview and they'll say, here's my offensive coordinator and here's the next guy. And he's going to be my quarterback coach, my tight ends coach, my pass team coordinator or whatever it is. Um, there's a way to do it. Is it challenging? Yes, it's certainly challenging, but you know, I, I would like kind of classify that as like a champagne problem, right? <laughs> Especially like based on where you guys have been. Um, if you get good enough play out of your quarterback and your offense, that that's an issue. I'd say you're doing pretty well for yourself. Well, You say that, but this staff in 2012 had 20% of the league on it. You know, it doesn't mean you have yeah. to be a great team to have good people in your building. Right, right. And I think that that, but that's, that's part of it too, is like just how good a job, like how good a job do you do filling your staff? How good a job are you doing developing people? Like I'd argue San Francisco, like one of the big secrets to what they've done, they've developed players at a really high level. They've also developed play, like coaches and scouts at a really high level. Like you look at it, like they, they, they had Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel leaves. You know who's taking a step up on that staff? Bobby Slowick. Bobby Slowick leaves. They've got another guy by the name of Brian Flurry, who I think will be a coordinator in the next year or two. Um, you just 
I, like, I think that's the way the best organizations are. You know, I mean, even like Andy Reid in Kansas City, right? Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy, Eric Bieniemy, back to Matt Nagy. Like, they've always had answers. Now, I know that guy's not calling the plays, but those are, that's a good line of offensive coaches, right? They were always ready with the next one. And so I think that's part of the job in any case. It's just obviously if it's a defensive coach, that one becomes a little bit more important than if, if, if the guy who is, uh, who's, who's running the show is also running the offense. Albert, always appreciate you joining us, man, especially on short notice, dude. Thank you. No problem, guys. Great insight from Albert Breer, MMQB. Check him out. He does an awesome job. Grant and Danny on the fan. Next at 800-636-1067, we'll get back into where the commanders go from here. Should they open up their interview search? You just heard him suggest maybe calling Mike Vrabel. Or do you think that the five names they've got left that they're looking at, that as of today they'll have interviewed multiple times, is that good enough? That They have unearthed enough stones for you to feel like the right hire is among that mix. We're Grant and Danny. I, I don't know that he was ever as strong a favorite as people thought. Um, and I think a couple things. Number one, you know, like the feel I got coming into this week was that the commanders were hitting almost like a hard reset, right? And not saying that like the information they had gathered already wasn't important or valuable or were going to be used, but they really wanted to kind of take a fresh set of eyes as they went out and met with all of these guys this week. You know, it's Dan Quinn, obviously, um, today and and Ben Johnson and 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 Aaron Glenn and and going through the list of names again um just have a very open mind about it Albert Breer is heard on Grant and Danny just a few minutes ago Ben Johnson staying with Detroit for the third season as the full-time OC for the Lions next year he took over part of the way through and had a half season before that so he'll have three and a half years play calling experience going into next offseason. Although at that point, who knows if he'll be a head coach or not. You know, I, I don't know. Does he want to be a head coach? Doesn't really seem like it. He's turned down opportunities <laughs> two straight years. So far, the data says no, I guess. Breer suggested last year he didn't think he was ready. He told the Lions that. And they did a bunch of things this year. We saw Dan Campbell talking uh, in a press conference last week about all the, the different ways that he kind of mentored Campbell throughout the season to get ready as a head coach beyond just calling plays. But he's staying in Detroit, and the commanders, I guess I shouldn't say, are going back to the drawing board because what they would tell you is they don't have to. They didn't have their eyes set on. This is simply one candidate that won't exactly. be getting the job. Do you believe job. that, by the way? Not even a little bit. You don't? No. And, and I'm not, again, I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anybody. Yeah. I think but this. But you've seen, I mean, everyone, mm-hmm. all the beat reporters, mm-hmm. And a lot of national people have have been saying that for a week. It's obvious that the team is saying that. Yes. That, like, Ben Johnson is not definitely the guy. I think that was to cushion the blow for when it when whatever this was happened. Because they, they knew before we did that something like this might go down. Now, it, I don't think they knew, you know, before they got on the plane that it was official. But the the, hey, this isn't as much of a lock as everybody thinks it is. They figured that out first, whether okay, it was so his demands what, what or his it? hemming and hawing. It, it was never a lock, then you agree, right? Was he just their number one priority? Was he the leader in the clubhouse? Like, how would you quantify what that was? Great question. I think they thought it was going to be, it was going to happen. 
because everybody postures, right? You know, like when you, you know, you like everyone's done this. Uh, not exactly the same analogy, but you are up for a contract and you're asking for all these different things. You're going to sign. You don't want to move. You don't want to go get a new job. You don't want to change industries. You don't want to take a step back. But you make these demands. You try to negotiate as, as if this, this is going to happen. So it's posturing for a while. I think they thought it was just posturing. I think they thought that a guy was this hot of a head coaching candidate asking for whatever he asked for or you know, bringing up this dollar figure or this amount of control or this uh, you know, use of a private jet or this t- uh, Lincoln Town car to and from practice every morning, whatever he was asking for. I think they thought, okay, eventually we'll come back down. We'll get a deal done because this our situation makes sense. He likes us. We like him. He'll grow into the role. It's going to be great. And I think they counted on it working out until something turned within the last handful of days. And we should have been more attentive to it when you start to see them go, oh, my God, this really might not happen. We need to cushion the blow because everybody thinks it's a done deal. Everybody thinks it's over. No matter how much brake pumping we do trying to you know, to give you the integrity of the process line, which they have to do, because you don't want to treat other interviews and, and guys that are candidates disrespectfully by saying it was a formality, whether they be you know any up-and-comer, minority or otherwise. You, that was not something they want to do perception-wise. I think they realized within the last few days, there's a great chance this doesn't happen. So they started to get their word out. They obviously did. No doubt about that. And I think we started taking it really seriously, as you said, too late. Maybe. Yeah, yesterday, and, I, and I, that's on me. I but, missed that. Well, me too. I mean, the, the Schefter-McAfee, like, I'll bet you guys, dot, dot, dot. That was pretty telling to me. You're not going that hard in the paint if you haven't been told everything you need to know that maybe this isn't happening. Because everyone was hedging, though, everyone kept saying Schefter didn't. But before that, it's, I still think they'll hire him. You know, when I talk to different people who cover the team or whatever, they would say, yeah, I just don't think it's as, you know, much or as likely as you're suggesting. But, yeah, I, I think it'll be him. And I'm like, well, it's semantics. You know, then they are saying that for good reason. But if it's him, then what's the difference? I just wonder how stunned they were by this. And if I if I could have truth serum and, like, get an answer, what I would really want to know is, as they boarded that plane, what was the expectation? I believe they thought they were coming back with Ben Johnson to be their head coach. I do, too. That's my thought. Now, they, they will obviously now say that wasn't the case, but I would love to know if that was reality, number one. And number two, I would love to know how much of a stunner it was that he pulled his name out. Or was it 48 hours since the game of all of a sudden him raising his asking price or maybe saying it's this or I'm staying in Detroit? Like, was there posturing leading up to this where it was a game of chicken and they knew if we don't turn, we might run into this guy. Yeah, I, I, I want to know, was it just out of nowhere? Yeah. Like how, how shocked were they? I, I think, I think you have to be shocked. You do. It's beyond the 11th hour. Again, six of the eight teams already have coaches. We're putting staffs together. You waited for some of these elite guys that there is, there isn't much, you know, you could do because of the NFL calendar, you have to wait for McDonald and Weaver and Glenn and, uh, and, and Ben Johnson, you have to. So because you're waiting for one of these names for a guy to then pull his name out now, I would have loved to have been able to interview somebody else who already got a gig. And maybe, maybe Canales was the right guy for me, but I didn't think I had to because I was pretty sure it was going to be you. I really believe that they thought it was just negotiating and posturing. So here's the toughest part now too, to your point about the timeline and, frankly, how long this has dragged on. When you wait until the end, presumably to hire the guy that that was still coaching, 
this is a game of musical chairs in some way. Now, they weren't going to hire Gerard Mayo, the coach in waiting for the Patriots, right. or Antonio Pierce, who got the Raiders job. They hadn't interviewed Canales, which I didn't love, but they hadn't interviewed Callahan. So you might be able to make the case that they weren't that interested in, in the guys that got these other jobs anyway. In fact, did anybody that they've interviewed get a job? I'm, I'm missing Raheem one. Morris. Uh, Raheem. You know, maybe Raheem would have been the guy, and now you can't hire him. Maybe they had him above McDonald, let's say, because he's with the Rams and you missed out on him. But that, to me, I guess, if, if I have two frustrations, it is nothing you could do about it. But by him waiting so long to pull out of this process, you are left in a lurch. This is a bad spot. Mm-hmm. Number one. Number You're two. You're left in a Jason Bishop. I don't like. Thank you. Good right. bit. Thank you that four of the final five are not play callers, and you're probably taking a quarterback at two. It's a weird cycle. It's why kind incorrect. Of. Not well, really. I mean, you don't it's, it's going to – Callahan got a job. Canales got a job. I guess you're I right. Mean, it, it, wasn't, it was a weird list also, that they well, put I'll, together. I guess let me let me retort. Mayo got the job. Antonio Pierce got the job. Coaching waiting. And yeah. they coach. They didn't have a chance. Right, yeah. It, but Neither of those two teams had a choice. Of the teams yeah. that actually interviewed, it was pretty common. I mean, a team blew out one of the best coaches in the league to go get an offensive coach. Like, it wasn't that weird of a cycle. No, you're right. You know what I'm saying? But I guess, well, let me, let me try it a different way. There weren't as many great bona fide offensive coordinator candidates like we usually see. True. It's, it's, the, it's the Callahans, the guys that are working with Browning and, and Joe Burrow and company, but he's not calling plays. It's, um, you know, Raheem Morris, who's got some experience on offense, mostly a defensive guy, defensive coordinator. Yeah, he's defense. Right. But I don't know, man. It, you were left in the spot where it's all going against type. It's one offensive mind, really, of the, of the guys they were have interviewed twice, and then defensive defensive minds. You know, one is the hot superstar in waiting in, in McDonald. The other guys are names that I don't think generate a lot of excitement. I think a lot of us thought this thing could be over before they interviewed everyone today. Nobody thought it would be like this. Like I thought when we got off air, it was going to be a ladies and gentlemen, we got him type press conference. Well, I, I just thought. The idea that they're going to have to interview all five of these guys in two days might be a little aggressive, but I did not. I don't know that anyone had a couple Lions fans, maybe Ben Johnson saying, nah, I'm good. Bring bring your interview pants. If you're the Harris group for all these people taking victory laps that they, did, they didn't think it was coming. I haven't heard a single person say Ben Johnson is going to turn the commanders down and not take a job. I've not heard that anywhere. Have you? That's no. what happened here, it sounds like to me. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not that he didn't take this didn't job. hire Mike McDonald when Ben Johnson was sitting there. People were acting like, well, oh, man, I, I told you. They didn't want Ben. This Ben Johnson thing was media created. No, they didn't turn Ben Johnson down. Ben Johnson stayed in Detroit. He can't be hired anymore. They're still looking for a head coach. All right, let's do this next. Now what? And we got to tap into uh, the calls, people that have been waiting. Now what do you want them to do? Where should they pivot to? What should be the plan? We're Grant and Danny. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.